Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and a very big warm welcome to episode 38 of the Big Cruise Podcast. I'm sure you know by now, but my name is Baz and I am your host. And uh, today's show is the last of uh, 2020 and it's, uh, it's going to look a little bit different. We're going to start off today's show with a special guest. Oliver Oldroyd is um, the media specialist at True North, which is an expedition uh, cruise specialist based here in Western Australia. And we're going to catch up with Ollie and find out all about his beautiful vessel and where it normally sails and where it's uh, changed its itineraries to um, for the remainder of this year. Then our good friend Peter Collar from Clear will be joining us mid-show. He, uh, as you know, spent a lot of time on board the ships. And uh, he's going to be reminiscing about what it's like uh, to be on a ship over the Christmas and festive period. Um, and then lastly, um, our maritime historian friend, Chris Frame, he's going to be joining us. Now, this week, we're not going to do any maritime history. We're not going to do any cruise news. What we're going to focus on is those ships that have launched in 2020 that have yet to welcome their first guests, and also the abundance of ships that are coming into the marketplace in 2021. So we're going to spend a good half an hour or so and review all of those uh, ships and uh, we're going to choose one. Uh, well, actually, we're going to end up choosing three because we couldn't narrow it down to one. Uh, for the, the ships that we, we would, in an ideal world, love to be able to get on board in 2021. And we also did ask some of you, our listeners, to uh, send in your choices too. And thank you to those of you that did. We've got comments from Rich, from Juliana, from Eileen, from Jan, and more. And we'll be uh, mentioning all of those at the end of today's podcast as well. Um, but uh, from myself, Chris, Pete, and everybody that's involved in the podcast, we just wanted to take an opportunity to uh, wish you a very Merry Christmas, uh, a safe and uh, healthy festive season. And uh, whilst we know that some of you in the Northern Hemisphere, Christmas um, and the, the festive period won't look um, like it may have done previously due to the, the restrictions and the lockdowns that are in place in various different areas. Um, but just stay safe and uh, make of it what you can because uh, 2021 is going to be a lot better and we've got to keep um, keep positive uh, for what lies ahead. And uh, if you are 
looking at a cruise, uh, maybe even towards the end of 2021. Um, uh, keep it there. Keep it on your vision board because uh, I think uh, once uh, this vaccine rolls out, things are going to look uh, much more positive and we can uh, get back to somewhat of a, a more normal life. So, Again, from, from all of us here at the Big Cruise Podcast, thank you very, very much for listening. I know there are listeners from all over the world um, that, that join us. Um, we, we see you in the podcast charts, whether you are uh, in Croatia, in Singapore, in the UK, in the US, here in Australia, New Zealand, uh, South Africa, um, etc. Thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. We are going to take a couple of weeks' break, um, but we will be back. Um, we will be back in the middle of January uh, with the, the latest cruise news, with maritime history, and uh, all being well, we'll, we'll reintroduce those, um, those cruise reviews once we can cruise again. But for right now, let's get straight into today's show. Whoa there, Rudolph! Oh, oh, oh! Wishing you a very Merry Christmas! And this week, uh, first up on the show, we've got a very special guest. Ollie Oldroyd is the media specialist for True North, and True North are uh, currently uh, based here in Fremantle, as we spoke about on previous episodes of the podcast. Ollie, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much, Baz. Great to be here. Oh, no, it's uh, my pleasure, of course. Now, before we talk about True North and the beautiful product, let's, uh, let's hear a little bit about you. Um, you, you don't sound too Australian, so no. what, you got, what got you into Australia, and how did True North become part of your life? Okay, um, I will kind of yeah cut a long story short here. I was um, I'm, I'm from the UK, uh, so from from London, and um, I started my career by working in film and TV um, as a as a studio cameraman back in the day, uh, filming relatively <laughs> mundane things like uh, Big Brother and shopping channels and stuff, and uh, kind of got sick of the the rat race and got a, a one way ticket over to. Australia and um, I've got some relatives over here I've got a half brother and a half sister that are based in in WA and um, yeah long story short my my older brother uh, has been very good friends with the owner of True North uh, pretty much since uh, Craig started business back in the sort of late 80s and um, they uh, he, they he found out Craig found out that um, I my, my, I was interested in filmmaking and photography and stuff and, and uh, asked my brother if I was keen to come on board and uh, start working as a photo guide. So, you know, coming on, on, on the vessel and obviously working with the deck crew and taking the guests out fishing and diving and snorkeling, doing all the amazing activities, but at the same time capturing capturing the magic and taking lots of still photos uh, and, and video clips as well and uh, and then presenting the guests with a, a, a trip movie at, at the end of each 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 cruise and um, yeah it, it, we kind of it just grew from there really it was um, yeah it's been an amazing experience and that was in 2013 when I when I first joined the True North. oh wow okay a world apart, really, from London into the the, the Kimberley region, uh, you couldn't get two different uh, scenarios, I guess. Um, oh, no, right. <laughs> I've I've been lucky. I've travelled all over the world. I've been to Broome. I've been to Darwin, but I haven't been anywhere in between. Now we will talk about the, the destination in a little bit, but let's first of all talk about the ship because she is very unique. On the podcast, we tend to talk about the the big deep water ships, the big white vessels that uh, take you know a couple of thousand guests. Now, True North is very very different. So let's talk first of all about the ship. What makes it unique, and what you particularly love about it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty easy. I mean, in, in terms of comparing to those those big 
thousand two thousand people ship I, I think the only similarity is is the color but uh, <laughs> yeah it's a it's a very uh, very unique vessel um it was designed um by naval architects here here in uh, Fremantle um for a specific purpose and that was to be able to access areas that the other big ships can't uh, and the way they did that was by uh, building it with a very shallow draft. It only has 2.4 meters uh, under, underwater, okay. which, which enables it to um, travel up the shallow creek systems in Kimberley, um, get inside the the lagoon reef systems out of the Rolly Shoals, and obviously in Indonesia and Papua New Guinea as well. Uh, and you know knows knows the, the the bow of the boat right up underneath the waterfalls in the Kimberley, which is uh, always. I mean, I've, wow. I've done it hundreds of times but it just it's always a, a mind-blowing thing to be part of um so yeah the, the shallow draft is, is 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 really what sets it apart um also there's only 36 guests so 18 cabins um yep. 36 guests all with en suites um so it's a it's a beautiful ship inside very comfortable um lots of outdoor viewing areas as well uh, even you know the, the ship never sails without 100% capacity, but it, it never feels crowded. You know, it's, it's yep. a lot of room to move around. It's it's 50 meters long, um, about 30 meters wide, and yeah, we have a very high uh, guest to crew ratio: 20, 22 crew to 36 guests. So everyone's uh, mm -hmm. really well looked after, and we also have six uh what well, we call them adventure boats so we've got aluminium um like solid hulled tender boats which enable all of the guests to do multiple things simultaneously uh that way you can kind of pick your own own adventure on the day you know right. whether you know yeah. we, we can run a fishing trip um we can take people to go and see some indigenous rock art we can take people uh, to go for a swim at a beach, um, and we can take people do, doing, you know, a lot of things all at the same time. So you can kind of, yeah, just wake up in the morning and go, all right, this, this is what I want to do today. It's not like on, on other bigger vessels where everyone kind of has to do the same stuff in the morning and same stuff in the afternoon. You, you, you really do pick your own adventure. And then I suppose the, the icing on the cake, as we call it, is uh, the fact that we carry uh, an EC-130 helicopter on the roof, which... Uh, is really amazing, you know, being able to see places like like the Kimberley and well anywhere in West Australia uh, from the air is fantastic, and, and it just really opens up to op opens up the ability to to uh, do lots of really amazing things. Yeah, I think you touched on something really important there. That it, it really does sound very flexible. And I know from other operators, you know, it's very structured. You, you, people are going ashore at a set time and rotating through the, the zodiacs and, and things. Whereas you sound like, you know, people can wake up and just decide almost on the spur of a moment, you know, oh, I'll fancy fishing yeah. or I'll fancy a bit of this. Yeah, well, well pretty much um, that's, that's what people do. Essentially, they, um, you know, every night after dinner, the cruise director will get up and, and run through the, the, the next day's activities. And, and everyone signs up the night before, so just, just to help yeah. with the organisation of the day. Uh, but, yeah, quite often people, you know, they'll come down on, onto the back deck and, you know, they'll just 
go, okay, I want to go, I want to go sightseeing. I want to go and see a crocodile or I want to go, I want to go bird watching with those guys. Can you just take me off the fishing boat? And, you know, or I've, yeah. I've, yeah, it's a bit hot today. I, I want to go with the guys who are going for a swim up at the waterfall. Um, I'll, I'll go fishing tomorrow sort of thing. So it's, it's we're very, very flexible and, and you know, we're not in the habit of saying no to any of the guests. We just uh, obviously want to make sure that they're having the best time possible at all times. Fabulous. And with that helicopter, is that included in the, the, the cruise fare? Or is that something that people choose to do as an optional? So there's um, in, there's only two addition, additional costs involved with, uh, with True North. That's the, that's the helicopter and alcohol. So the, the helicopter yeah. is, um, it's, well, most people buy like a, a package on, on the first day, which makes it a lot more yeah. cost effective. So they'll, you know, they'll get like five or, or 10 flights, depending on the duration of the cruise. Uh, and then yep. they can just kind of pick and choose which ones they feel like doing. Uh, and, and same with, same with that, it'll probably come up at some point with the, the alcohol. Yeah, we, we do charge a, a nominal a nominal charge for, for the alcohol. It's more like a, a bottle shop prices as opposed to um, yeah. you know, exorbitant prices. Fabulous. Now, under a normal year, and we know we're not in a current normal year, uh, you generally spend the majority of, of your season uh, up in, in the Kimberley, which I think goes from, you know, April to, to September, October-ish, and then you tend to move north and go up towards Indonesia and Papua New Guinea. Um, tell us a little bit, first of all, about Kimberley, um, because I think even in Western Australia, it's quite a an unknown destination. We don't tend to choose to holiday in our own back garden. We tend to go further afield. And uh, Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, and P- PNG, et cetera. Let, let's, let's have a bit of a deep dive and, and tell us what you think about these different destinations and what stands out for people choosing to go there. Oh, that's a... Uh... That's a big question. <laughs> uh, deserves a big answer. Um, yeah, the, the Kimberley is um, oh, well. Uh, one one of our um, cruise directors describes it as one of the last true wildernesses on the planet, uh, and I hundred percent agree with her. It's it's just untouched, uh, and the the beauty of the region is is breath, breathtaking. Uh, and you know, it doesn't matter how many times you go there. Uh, when you when when you're cruising up those rivers and in those in those ravines and in the gorges, uh, in in the beautiful Kimberley light, it just it just blows your mind, and, and really does take your breath away. Um, that's that's kind of what what really does it for me is is just the grandeur of of the whole location uh, and the fact yeah. that you know you just don't see any other people at all when you're yeah. when you're up there there's 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 no infrastructure whatsoever between Broome and and where we end our cruises in 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 Wyndham uh so yeah and obviously from a day-to-day thing um the main uh, main activities up there are uh, uh fly, flying in the helicopter obviously um mm-hmm. fishing is huge and uh, it, it, it quite often we get people come on the ship who've who've never fished before um, and they kind of just, you know, want to give it a go on day two or day three. And then <laughs> by the end of it, they're like, uh, you know, they're like fishing gurus, you know, they're, they're, telling, <laughs> they're telling the boys, they're like, oh, I've just, just check the tide. I think that that rock over there is quite, quite good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, fishing, fishing's a lot of fun. Um, the, uh, the thing that makes it more fun is, is the fact that we, all the fish that we catch that is of, the correct size and and you know we obviously have to stick to the uh the the fishing limits by um 
that, that we're allowed to like the the take home limits that we're allowed to yeah yeah to go with and um all the fish that we take take back to the ship gets cooked and fed to the guests which i think um you know makes it a little bit more yeah, special nice. you know that you're actually <laughs> getting to um you know reap all the benefits as opposed to just just catching the fish and releasing it you get to uh, eat it in the evening which is which yeah. is awesome um, same with the mud crabs as well. Um, going up and seeing uh, the ancient uh, indigenous rock art through the through the region is is also uh, something that's very special to do. And we're very fortunate that we uh, work with uh, a lot of the traditional owners through the Kimberley who who allow us to do that, which is which is fantastic. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I could go on and talk go on and on about about the uh, the Kimberley for hours to be honest but I'm just trying to kind of get it in a nutshell for you Baz um, yeah yeah one one quick question without notice um a name that comes up quite a lot and I know nothing about this Rolly Shoals is that in the Kimberley or is that a different region altogether okay the, the Rollies are um they're not in the Kimberley but they are 300 kilometers west of the Kimberley oh okay uh and right. and it's they are um it's, it's a mecca for diving and snorkeling, basically, and, and fishing as well. They, they are uh, fringing oceanic atoll reefs. Okay. I, might be, okay. I might not be 100% correct on that. A marine scientist would probably <laughs> correct me. But, yeah, they're, they're basically atolls um, in, in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, yeah, we, 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 do, we do a number of cruises out to the, to the shoals. We also combine the Kimberley with the Rolly Shoals. So we do a, a cruise called the, the Coast of Coral, which is, I think, five nights in the Kimberley and then, and then five nights out, out at the shoals because uh, it, it's literally okay. an, an overnight steam. You, you can leave Broome or, or anywhere in the sort of southern end of the Kimberley uh, in, uh, in the afternoon and, and you'll get out to the shoals by um, about eight, nine o'clock in the morning with, uh, with the okay. uh, True North cruising it around around 12 knots which is which is what it does um and yeah the royal shoals are yeah very very different experience to the kimberley you're literally diving fishing or snorkeling three or four times a day and and there is just this tiny little uh sandbar in in the middle of clerk lagoon which is which is where we moor up as, as once we get out to the to the shoals we yeah. drive the boat through a very narrow channel uh, which again was another thing that the naval architects had in the forefront of their mind when they were designing the ship, and um, we, we drive through through the main channel in, into the lagoon, and we and we tie up on a mooring there, and uh, it's you know it's flat calm inside the lagoon, and yeah, and uh, and then yeah we run all of the activities from from that lagoon, and uh, and then yeah when the when the tide's right, we we take everyone ashore and go and watch the sunset. On, on on our own deserted island, which is fantastic. Sounds fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you had to pick one thing in the Kimberley that is you're just, you stand out, that you, you go back and do time and time again because it just gives you goosebumps every time, is there anything like that? Ooh. Um, that's, that's, uh, I mean, I, I personally, because, you know, I, I, I'm a visual person. I like, you know, playing yep. cameras, um, getting up into the Kimberley after the wet season for one of the waterfalls cruises is my, my favorite time personally. Okay. Um, yep, yep. It's, it's a little bit warmer then, but that doesn't bother me at all. Um, but you just, 
you just see the immense power of of the waterfalls after those monsoonal rains have have, have dropped through the region, and um, yep. it's yeah that that takes my breath away. Going up going up the King George River and, and seeing it for the first time after the wet uh, is always yeah an an amazing moment because it's you know the, the sound of the waterfall, the spray that's coming off it. And, you know, the captain will, will get the boat as, as close as he possibly can. And obviously the amount of water coming off the falls uh, varies depending on how much rainfall we've had that particular year. But it's yeah, yep. it's a pretty special moment. And, and to be there with, with a camera uh, and a drone or whatever else I've, I've, I'm using at the time is, is always a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, let's head north. Let's uh, just get a little snapshot of Indonesia and PNG. Um, yeah, so in, Indonesia is... Um, uh, you know, it's it's a series of, of I'm I'm not going to say deserted islands. We do visit some deserted islands, but we 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 like to embrace all the local culture through all of Indonesia and, and Papua New Guinea. Um, so it's 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 uh, a similar daily schedule to the Rolly Shoals, I suppose. You know, we're still diving, snorkeling, yep. uh, in some cases fishing. Uh, but we also add in the cultural excursions, so that the village visits, um, and you know, we, we get welcome sing sings for the different villages that, that we visit, and, and and everyone up up in Indonesia are, are living, you know, as in in the sort of traditional form, should we say, with uh, low yep. low numbers of people living in these in these beautiful communities on these islands, and they're they're literally like living off the land, and they. They welcome us with open arms, and we uh, we have a great great relationship with all all of the different uh, villages that, that we visit all through Indonesia and Papua New Guinea, and uh, they always look forward to uh, seeing the true north and all their guests rock up, and you know they, they get all of their traditional drums out, and uh, we we have a bit of a sing sing and a bit of a dance, and it's it's great fun. Um, I'd say with, with the, the highlight, if I was going to kind of give it an overarching highlight for Indonesia, I think, you know, the, the diving and snorkeling around the Raja Ampat is, is definitely um, top of the list. Uh, that's what the majority of the guests come to Indonesia to yep. experience is, uh, is the Raja Ampat, which is, uh, so I've, I've heard it being described as the, the cauldron of evolution or the, the Galapagos of the East, because there's some Oh, okay. different, different different temperature currents that meet um, up yeah. Yeah, around around the equator around the equator islands and the Wyag islands. So if if you're passionate about your diving and snorkeling, you'll see some quite unique um, species of marine life, lots of endemic uh, tropical fish that you you wouldn't see elsewhere. Uh, and then obviously above the, above the water, it's it's also just yeah just idyllic, stunning, and uh, and yeah flying around. You know, the Wyag Islands up on the equator there. You know, you've probably seen the, the images through the, the website and, and stuff. It's the little yeah. green beehive islands with the lagoons around them. It's, yeah, pretty special, pretty special place. Yeah, it sounds, does sound um, incredible. Is it, is it a different type of guest that goes to the Kimberley versus Indonesia and PNG? Um, not really. Um, I say generally... Uh, people will come and experience uh, the Kimberley first, normally. I mean, this, this isn't the case for yep. everyone, obviously, but normally people will, will come to the Kimberley first and then and then we they, they find out about the other itineraries and they kind of just start repeating, you know, different trips at, at, at different different parts of our sailing schedule. 
So I, I wouldn't say that there's any one particular type of person for one type of cruise. It's, it's always a bit of a mishmash. Um, obviously, you get more more people who are into diving and snorkeling when we're up in uh, yeah. Shoals or Indonesia or Papua New Guinea because um, yeah, you don't we don't obviously do any diving or snorkeling in the Kimberley. But uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I'd, I'd say it's it's it. Yeah, they're all they're all roughly the same. They're always a nice bunch on the True North. And for anybody that's listening outside of Australia, uh, the reason you can't swim in the Kimberley is because of the crocodiles. Correct. <laughs> yes, although we do well, we do we do we do offer swimming most days, uh, but they're at the uh, the freshwater swimming holes where the saltwater crocs don't have access. Can't get to. to. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Um, now. Obviously, this year is very different uh, for for one big reason. Um, but you decided to to bring uh, your beautiful ship uh, south, and it's currently sat in uh, Fishing Boat Harbour in Fremantle, just preparing for its next voyage. Tell us what's right. happening. Where are you, where are you taking the ship uh, in December and January? Well, yeah, obviously due to um, everything that's been happening in this crazy year, we've had to rethink the uh, the sailing schedule, and um, yeah, we we're, we're making the most of the beautiful Southwest region, which uh, I'm, I'm very excited about. I'm, I'm uh, lucky enough. I'm going to be joining the, uh, the Rottnest escape, which, um, which uh, departs on the 4th of January. Uh, we're also going to be doing a new year's cruise, which uh, starts in Fremantle and heads all the way down to Injunup beach. Uh, and then we're going to be doing our, our Southwest adventure cruise, which uh, is, is going to be heading out of Fremantle uh, and then uh, all the way down to Geograph, Geograph Bay and then, and then back to Fremantle. Uh, so doing a big loop down that region. Uh, and then we do our Adventure Southwest. We're gonna be doing two of those, which goes uh, from Fremantle and then down to as far as Esperance. And then everyone gets off Esperance and we kind of change it out there and, and uh, take the boat back from Esperance to Fremantle. So yeah, it's uh, exciting times ahead. It's, it's such a, a beautiful part of of Australia. We normally just do uh, a, a one adventure southwest because uh, that's all we have time to do once we've you know done all of our Papua New Guinea cruises. Yeah. And um, you know we've got a bit more time up our sleeve now, so we're just going to um, be exploring it. And you know we we have uh, some amazing itineraries already planned out and. Like, like with everything on, on True North, we, we end up finding new things and new better ways to improve things as we move along. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a, a really exciting time. And I'm, I'm just looking at the itineraries here on the uh, southwest, uh, the one ways down to Esperance and return. You're going to a place called Bremer Bay Canyon. Am I right in thinking that that's where all of the, the, the killer whales and things are concentrated for a particular time of the year? Yes, that's that's hundred percent correct. Yeah, yeah. Bremer Bremer Canyon is um, a, a hot spot for the uh, for the orcas, the killer whales, and uh, we we've never been out there and not not seen quite quite a few of them. Yeah, there's the big, oh, wow. big pods of, of of orcas just uh, cruising around the boat, and uh, yeah, it's it's always a fun morning. We we head out there at, at first light, and then uh, yeah, I, I was there one year where. We had virtually no wind, and and the, and the skipper just kind of, you know, let the boat idle, and we had you know orcas sort of breaching all around the boat, and yes, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic, a fantastic experience. 
Oh, it does. It sounds incredible. Mm. Um, so we finish up um, early Feb um, with the Fremantle season. Then you do a bit of technical work on the ship, just as normal routine maintenance. Then you're heading yeah. north, I guess, after that. Yeah. So we, we always we always spend a bit of time in, in the shipyard. So uh, like the idea is to keep the vessel in showroom condition mm-hmm. um, all the time. So uh, we, we normally have like a, a six-week period where, where we just do everything in one go, but we've kind of broken it into into two shorter periods this 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 year for, for you know because of yep. everything that's been happening. And um, yeah, eleventh eleventh of March, uh, the boat will be back in the water with fresh paint and you know whatever whatever other things that need to be maintained through the engine room and and the crew will be fresh and, and ready to head north from uh, from Fremantle up to Dampier for our West Coast Explorer. And uh, I'm guessing uh, Kimberley's pretty well sold for next year. Is uh, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, due to everyone being shifted around and borders closing and reopening, we've, we've, uh, we've pretty much completely full for the whole of the, of the Kimberley season. Uh, so yeah, the earliest anyone can get on at the moment is 2022. And uh, is that open for sale now? Can people? Uh, no, but we will be releasing that for for general sale, should we say, uh, in the shortly, like in the new year. Okay, fabulous. Now, just a couple of quick fast fire questions, just your personal sure. preference. Okay. Uh, don't really need to explain unless you particularly want to. But uh, sunrise <laughs> or sunsets? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a photographer, so I'll give you that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the air on the helicopter or out on the water on the uh, expedition craft? Oh, I'll always. I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll go the heli any day. You can't say no to a helicopter ride. You just can't. <laughs> Uh, fishing or diving and snorkeling? Uh, personal personal preference is diving and snorkeling. Uh, I am keen fisherman. I do love fishing, but um, yeah, just I just like getting up close to the animals and photographing them and filming them. So yeah, diving and snorkeling. If I had to go one or the other. And speaking of photography, have you got a favourite photo that you've ever taken on board True North? Uh, oh god, yeah, I've got a few. Um, there is one. In particular, I really like which is a, a, of a crocodile that I took up the Row River in the Kimberley, um, oh, wow. and it's it it I, I like it because there's a bit of a story behind it. It, it looks like the, the the image looks like the crocodile is launching itself out of the water towards me, um, <laughs> and it looks quite scary. You know, its mouth open and the water's going everywhere. But the actual truth behind that image was that I was. I was quite far away. I was about, I don't know, 20 metres away from the croc on one of our tenders and um, had a four mil, 400 mil lens on. And as, as I'm about to take the photo, one of the, uh, one of the other, one, one of the other boats went in front of me and, and the, uh, the wake from their boat slapped the croc in the face. So <laughs> as I, just as I hit the shutter, so it looks like this aggressive croc that's about to come in the, come and end my life but the, the fact the, the actual truth is that it was just sitting on the bank minding its own business with its mouth open <laughs> <laughs> now i should just quickly mention if um, if anybody hasn't any listeners haven't done so do go to the the facebook or the instagram page for true north because the imagery is out of this world and it's all i guess thanks to, to you and some of your guests that maybe have shared their their photos and videos it's a uh, it's beautiful 
Yeah, no, we're, we're very lucky, actually. The, oh, yeah, it's such a, a visual product. And yes, yeah, definitely worth um, following all of our social media channels because we're constantly putting up new, new content. And uh, we've got a great team of photographers that work on the, on the vessel. Uh, we, um, we also, yeah, obviously have con- contributors, um, yeah, as from, from the, from the guests and, and other professional photographers. Sometimes we have professional photographers come on and run workshops and stuff. So yeah, okay. have, uh, yeah. I think uh, the biggest, the biggest battle with, with my job is it's the opposite to a lot of businesses. I, we've got too much good content. <laughs> <laughs> Try to find it. Trying to find yeah, what you want to use. It's whittling it down to the very, very best that takes up. A lot of my day. <laughs> <laughs> nice problem to have. Now, is, have you got a uh, have you got a top tip for anybody that is considering a Kimberly cruise for the first time? Oh, a top tip. Um, uh, cool. That's that's. Well, well, I suppose that if 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 you, once you're there. Just do it all. <laughs> That'd be my top tip. Um, don't. I always feel a bit sorry for the people who 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 you know stay back on from activities just to like read a book or have a nap. Um, I just think when you're up there, do it all. You know, like yep. go to all the waterfalls, see the rock art. You know, get up every morning for sunrise because every sunrise is beautiful. Um, and yeah. Go for another holiday afterwards. <laughs> to relax. <laughs> go, 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 go spend a week at a spa or something. <laughs> Actually, that, that's something that I hear quite a lot from guests, that, that they feel like they left it too, not too late in life, but they wish they'd have done it a lot earlier because it is quite an active holiday. Um, so yeah. it's not something you really want to leave till you're, you're retired and you may be losing a bit of your mobility. You need to be able to, you know, climb up some of those rocks to see some of the, the rock art or, you know, find that watering hole, etc. Yeah, that's, the, I mean, you got a point there, Baz. I mean, there's, we, we get kind of a, a broad age range uh, coming on the vessel. And yeah, some, some of the uh, older people, they, you know they're not as mobile as as the younger guys, but we, we've always got crew on hand to to give them give them the assistance they need to to get where they where they, where, they, where they need to go um, safely. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we, you know you can you know see see some amazing things just just in the tender. But um, yeah, I think I think yeah, just uh, get up there and do it as soon as you can would be would be my advice. And do it again and again. You'll 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 never have the same. Uh, experience twice you can do the exact same itinerary but it'll be a completely different experience in in the Kimberley particularly uh the, the whole the whole region's governed by the tides so it we yep. have, I think it's the second biggest tidal movement in in the world it's only one other place in Nova Scotia where we have bigger tides and uh oh, wow. so the, the landscape changes drastically in the course of the day so you can go to one one waterfall and then go back there literally a week later and, and you know, it'll look different depending on what time you go yeah. there. Um, and the fishing spots, you know, you, you, you're constantly changing to, to different areas to, to chase the fish because they're moving around with the tide as well. And, uh, and, the, and the marine life is, is, is very different depending on the time of year. Like if, if you come up in June or July, you're, you're most likely to see some humpback whales all through the Kimberley, well, up, up as far as Camden Sound, because um, they're, they're migrating through there. Um, and then other times of, of the year, you can um, see more rock wallabies and 
yeah, it's just a, it's just a, a, a magic place that, that changes all the time. Oh, it does, does, does sound incredible. Now, um, if you could uh, pick up True North, take it anywhere in the world tomorrow and COVID wasn't a thing, where, where would you like to head off to? Oh, what would I do? Um, I've actually sort of like, you know, had daydreams about this. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I would do is um, I would fly all of my friends and family from the UK um, yep. over and, and take them all up to the Kimberley. Um, I would sort of handpick my crew and uh, just go on, on an adventure with all, all my mates from back home that e- even though I show them all the videos and the photographs, they still don't really get it. I think you've got to yeah. go there to really understand what the Kimberley's about. Uh, and then I, I would make them do a compulsory um, heli picnic, <laughs> which is something we do on, <laughs> on, on, on all the trips anyway. But yeah, fly everyone up to up to uh, one of the waterfalls, and um, I mean we do heli camping as well on the trip. So I'll, I'll probably actually make it a compulsory heli picnic camping for the whole boat. <laughs> Sounds then, good. And then fly everyone back to the boat off the next day. That would be kind of my my dream adventure if I ever win the lottery. <laughs> oh, fabulous! Now, if people want to find out more about True North, how how and where do they find you? Um, obviously, all, all of our all of our social media channels is, is the the easiest ones. You know, our, our handles is True North Australia, but um, all of the the bulk of the information is uh, on our website at truenorth.com.au. Fabulous! And I'll be sure to put uh, the, the links uh, to to the socials and also to the website in the the show notes of this particular episode as well. Ollie, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Really enjoyed it today. And um, we uh, look forward to you getting back out in the water on uh, a boxing day, I think it was from memory. And um, good luck luck for 2021. It it certainly couldn't be anything like 2020. Yeah, no, onwards and upwards. uh, I think, uh, yeah, 21 is going to be a fantastic year. And and, um, yeah, it's been been great chatting to you, Bass. Thanks so much for your time. And um, yeah. Speak to you again soon. Happy holidays. And this week we're very excited to welcome back our good friend from Clear, Pete. Welcome back to the podcast, mate. Thank you very much, Bears. It's good to be back. Yeah, we missed you, but uh, I know you've been very, very busy, but uh, good to get you back for the last episode of the season because we are talking, uh, you know, what's positivity well you know what's it like to be on a cruise ship at christmas and you've been on uh, ships uh, for, for for many many years and uh, we're also having a look forward to you know ships that have either come out this year and not had any guests yet or also new ships that are coming out in 2021 so we'll, we'll get your um most anticipated ship towards the end of uh, this segment but first of all christmas at sea i've done it myself it's a very very magical time of the year but it, we actually had a couple of questions a couple of weeks ago about uh, christmas at sea and uh, i thought Great. We've got to get Pete back and he can tell us his experience because you've been there, done it for, for many, many years. So uh, what's it like? I, you know, it is one of my favorite times of year. I'm not, I'm not actually a Christmas type of person at home. I enjoy it. Uh, we, you know, we get the time off. But on board, there, there is this, and you, you actually summed it up perfectly in the intro there, magical. There's something magical about it. Now, um, as soon as you're bored, like the first thing you notice when you sort of get on board is this spectacular giant Christmas tree in the atrium. Uh, it just, you know, welcomes you. It's beautifully decorated, uh, glittering bells, sparkling lights. It just gets you in the mood. And uh, as you know, these atriums are often in 
these big, large open spaces that span many mm-hmm. decks. So you've got these multi-level stairs and they're all, you know, lined with tinsel and garland uh, across the mat, uh, the balustrades. And it's just spectacular. Um, but I do have to mention that the, the cruise lines do a, a very good balancing act of really celebrating and embracing it, but not in your face. Because you have to remember uh, the cruise lines cater for a range of international passengers. So not everyone... Uh, has the the religious celebration of Christmas. So the onboard motto is generally around the happy holidays, the festification of everyone appreciating each other and family. And you mentioned, you touched on a word there, excitement. Now, you know, obviously when you board a a ship at any time, there's a sense of excitement, but is there a different type of excitement as uh, people embark on a Christmas cruise? You know know what, there certainly is. You see it as soon as they get on board. Um, They tend to not unravel, just get rid of the stress a lot quicker. They're, they're prepared f- for the cruise a little bit more. It's hard to explain, but everyone gets into this social appreciation mode. They're, they're greeting each other uh, more than normal. Uh, they're harmonising with the crew and they go out and explore the ship, its decorations, and they're interchanging with everyone else. Um, and, of course, the crew are in, in their Santa hats. They love it. Um, you know, the meal times, the waiters are singing, the activities on board are all jazzed up in that Christmas spirit. And uh, especially the evenings, you know, filled with sing-alongs at the piano bar. And I mean, it's almost like a themed cruise uh, where they have the same mindset, everybody on board, that same affinity, uh, but without officially being a themed cruise. And even formal nights are great because there's that little extra sparkle as well. Everyone gets into the mood, gets dressed up into their best and, and just everyone's there to celebrate, relax and um, just em- embrace uh, each other. Sounds great. Now, of course, food is very, very important to every cruise, but on a Christmas cruise, I imagine it's taken to the, the next level. It is, and uh, it's everything you see on TV. You know, first you've got your traditional turkey, cranberry sauce, that's always, you know, available, uh, the puddings. But because you've got this international mix of crew, and don't forget, they're celebrating Christmas as well. So the chefs are in a great mood. They're all not only doing uh, the traditional dishes, but the traditional dishes from their homeland. So you, you get a, a variation of cuisine from other regions as well. And, of course, we've, we've spoken on the show before. best thing about a cruise is you can try something for the first time. If you don't like it, you can try something else. That's some of the, the beauty of it. But um, it, it's also a show in a way. I mean, you've got those spectacular buffets um, with um, – ornated food uh, uh, it's probably not the word for food ornate but you know what i mean they're in christmas shapes and icons and colors and icing and you know we, we probably won't have a buffet type of style uh, eating in the future in the industry who knows how it's going to all shape out but the showcase will no doubt still be there because it's you know the kids you see their lights uh, eyes light up with you know gingerbread castles and things like that. It's 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 an amazing um, atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Now you um, you touched on something there with kids. Do you, do you generally find that um, it's mostly families on board a Christmas cruise, or is a um, more of a mix of multi gen and are people coming from all over the world to the ship? Yeah, it, some of it will depend on the itinerary. I mean, there is quite a mix, more than you probably think i mean of course christmas means family time for many people and if you know the cruise is the perfect way to explore your own interest yet have that time to come together and in that traditional you know annual reflection uh, particularly as you mentioned that multi-generation celebration is is just the you know the cruise environment is perfectly 
situated for that. You know, but there are some single travellers who may be escaping Christmas because not everyone has fond memories of um, families or that time of year. Uh, so cruising allows them to socialise, yet they still have those pockets of solitude if they need it to get away maybe. But um, from my experience, I found that it doesn't last long because they meet other singles that are on board who, with the same intentions. They end up having a great time with new friends. Um, so... Um, you don't get caught up in it too much. And, of course, you've got your romantic couples. And one of the biggest uh, changes I've seen in the last decade is groups of friends. Uh, it's becoming very popular at the moment. So uh, it, it might be one family and another family or d- different couples all meeting up for a Christmas cruise um, to celebrate, you know, away from home. Yeah, yeah. Now there's obviously lots of benefits to 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 cruising, but I can think of one massive benefit to a Christmas cruise. Um, what What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, as much as we love it and we've got the time off and, you know, we're celebrating, it's it's also stressful for a lot of people, particularly the organisers of the family. Yep. Um, you know, they're the ones who are putting it all together for everyone, the menu planning, the shopping in crowds, the cooking for days, uh, preparing all the dining rooms, cleaning, and, of course, all the washing up afterwards. Uh, but, you know, not one of those things are on a cruise. And uh, in fact, it's totally re- reversed uh, because the crew are serving you. So uh, you get time to feel special and be rewarded. You know, and if you do have a family matriarch who has been organizing for many years, maybe even decades, and you want to reward them with a the Christmas off, what a perfect way to uh, put the whole family on a cruise and let them be the shining star and relax and and just enjoy it for what it is. So, you know, overall Christmas cruises do have a very special feel about them. Absolutely. Um, As I said, I've done it myself. It's a very magical time. And like you say, like it's just, there's no hassle. There's no work for anybody. You just sit back, relax and enjoy and uh, and take it all in. Now, if you could go on a Christmas cruise next week, um, anywhere in the world, where would you go? Well, next week, uh, (laughs) I I am looking forward to uh, a new ship that's earmarked or was earmarked for this year, um, but certainly next year is. Well, I was thinking about the Scarlet Lady, but uh, Virgin Voyages. I um, oh, yeah. look. I, I get excited with all new builds coming out and, and new brands and vessels and so forth. It's uh, for geeks like you and I, Baz. You know, we get really excited. Um, but one of the things I, I, um, I'm looking forward to is when they did make the announcement originally, it, it was almost like a disruptor into the industry because they were um, challenging the way cruising is. In fact, when Richard Branson originally announced uh, you know, his venture into cruising, his, his exact words were, I hate cruising. And yet he was starting a cruise line. But he's he's done that on purpose because he wants to attract an audience that may not be traditional cruisers, the ones who say, I'm never going to cruise, the first-time cruisers, but designing a product that's going to appeal to them. And from what we've seen already, and we, we know it's it's available, of course, COVID uh, has meant the launch has been delayed to next year. But the concepts on board, um, the, the way the ship's styled and designed and some of the innovations they have on board, the way they tackle certain uh, things that are mainstay of cruising through the generations that we've gone through, it's all been challenged a bit. So um, the, the ships look great. I, I love contemporary designs. I, you know, 
I just I would love to feel the atmosphere on board, get a sense of exactly what they're trying to achieve. For me, that's that's fascinating. I'm really interested to get feedback on how Virgin Voyage is going to be. I, I think it's a great thing. And, and you know what? The cruise lines, even though they, they may have been threatened about a disruptor, they love it as well because it just means more people interested in cruising, maybe ones they couldn't uh, get yep. earlier. So it just means more people wanting to cruise, and that's good for the whole industry, uh, which we can appreciate even more so right, right now. So uh, I think everyone's excited to see that one come along. Yeah, in fact, we had a listener. We asked the listeners last week if they had any ships that they were eagerly anticipating getting on next uh, next year. And Rich, sorry, Rich, I don't know where you are in the world. You didn't say on the, the email, but he was uh, and really wants to get on board Scarlet Lady. To, his words were to suss out the, the virgin kind of service and the sassy vibe that they, they, they're known for. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of people that are, are keen to see uh, how, and, uh, how virgin tackle um, all of this. Yeah, it'd be very exciting. And we'll be cruising again, which will be uh, as exciting as ever. In fact, earlier, in fact, it was about this time last year, I actually went to the mock cabins for Virgin Voyages. Oh, right. There's a, a little hangar at the back of Gatwick Airport somewhere where these uh, mock cabins were built for for demonstration purposes. And um, yeah, it was it, it was very interesting to see how even the bedding and things like they they've just they've there's not, nothing that they haven't looked at and said, well, how can we do it differently? So I think. And that's the beauty of it. They're challenging everything. I, my exposure, I actually became a Virgin um, fan as far as all their brands go. I know they've got the fitness clubs and the credit cards and the airlines, but I, I, I don't even know how I got a ticket to Virgin Atlantic, but I was in Los Angeles and I walked in uh, to the check-in area and you know it's, it's traditional, line up, chaotic. But on the left, it was dark and there was this strobe light going on and it came from a disco ball and I go, what the hell is over there? And it actually was, Hey, that's my check-in. And I went over there and they were just doing it in such a different way. And it felt so cool. I was like, wow. And that's when I was first exposed to their different take on things, different, you know, way to tackle things. And I thought, this is good. You know, everyone was happy and, and it was just took the stress right out. All those pain points, those friction points we often deal with when we're traveling. So Really interested to see how they do, um, you know, even the fact they called it voyages instead yeah. of cruises. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I love it. Fingers crossed uh, there might be a, a shakedown cruise or we might find ourselves uh, either in, in Miami or even in the Med for, for Barcelona for, for the new Valiant Lady and uh, get to sample it. Oh, this is all about. Yeah. After, that, after that testimony, I'm, I'm expecting <laughs> yeah. a phone call. <laughs> it's been great to have you as part of the podcast uh, throughout this year um we hope you'll be able to join us again um next year but uh from myself and, and all the listeners thank you for, for everything you bring to the show wishing you and uh, your family and of course the, all the team back at clear a very merry christmas and here's to uh, 2021 looking significantly better than this year Thank you so much, Baz. My pleasure, and uh, thank you so much for your support as well. Cheers, mate. Ooh, it's Father Christmas here. (laughs) Are you on my naughty or nice list this year? Still time to change that, you know. Ho, ho, come on, Rudolph. And as I mentioned, we're changing it this week. Uh, Chris is joining us at the end of the show, um, but it's always a pleasure to have uh, Chris join us. Chris, welcome to the last episode of 2020. Wow, can't believe it, mate. This whole year has passed, and what a year. When we first started talking about this, we could never have imagined what was going to uh, unfold, but uh, yeah. congratulations on the first anniversary, I suppose, of the, of the podcast. 
<laughs> 38 episodes in 2020, so it has been a year, and we've got through so much news, so much maritime history, but we thought this week we'd change it up a notch, mm. and uh, we did put a, a call out to the listeners last week to to send in any ships that they were highly anticipating or would love to, to get on board in 2021 when things have, have settled down. And we've had quite a few people send their their entries in, but we'll touch off on those towards the end. But okay. um, I, I thought we'd start off. There's been a number of ships that have been delivered to the cruise lines in 2020, mm. but have yet to welcome their first guest. So let's first yes. of all just give a, a quick shout out to them. And I think the first one we have to acknowledge, and we have done so before, is our friends at Virgin Voyages, because what a year to launch a brand new cruise I know. line. Oh my goodness, yes. Like through no fault of their own at all, they couldn't have picked a worse year to um, to launch what is a significant ship, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Scarlet Lady, she's 110,000 tonnes. She's um, very different uh, in terms of both her external appearance and her interior. They, um, you know, Virgin's a brand that really does challenge the status quo and they, they've made quite an effort, I think, to to make this ship a little bit different from what's been put out before and kind of redefine cruising to suit the Virgin, um, you know, vision of travel. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the weird thing about this ship, um, Baz, as you'll recall, is that she actually did uh, sort of enter service making a series of uh, cruises with travel vloggers and travel agents and that sort of thing on it and then was just preparing to redeploy across to uh, yeah. from Europe across to America um, for the Caribbean market and that's when of course everything kind of um, went a, a bit crazy with um, the cruise pause so she she spent some months in layup uh, with a big cluster of ships off the Bahamas and then she's actually sailed back to Italy and is there um, in Genoa at the nearby the shipyard where she was built awaiting um, 2021. Yeah. In fact, she's not too far from her sister, but we'll talk about her sister mm. later because she has got another ship en route. Um, heading into the UK down for, for Saga, they had Spirit of Adventure. Yeah, so a smaller ship, but um, quite big for Saga. Um, and Saga is, of course, a, a more sort of niche brand. It's a 55,000 um, ton ship and, and very similar to the Spirit of Discovery, which is already in service. Um, she was again supposed to join her sister ship in 2020, but um, you know we all know what happened in 2020, so we don't need to dwell on it. Um, and uh, she's now uh, in Tilbury uh, alongside her sister ship, awaiting um, the resumption of cruising. Yeah, um, sister to. Um Celebrity Edge, Celebrity Apex was delivered uh, only a couple of weeks ago, I think, actually. That's right. Apex is um, second in the Edge class. Um, Again, similar to Scarlet Lady, a very different style of ship, a very different design. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got a very uh, very different styled bow. It's quite straight at the front of the ship there, and it has um, a big platform, a big orange platform on the side that has an observation platform and a restaurant inside it that moves up and down the the ship, depending on... Um, you know what part of the experience you're in it can go down the down the hull and you get a different view which is kind of interesting and a little bit different it also doubles as a as a pontoon platform for um, for tendering services now she's 117,000 tons um, so you know uh, a very sizable ship and mm-hmm. uh, she was built at uh, Le Chantier de l'Antique shipyard in Saint-Nazaire in France a very um, iconic shipyard that's built some of the world's greatest um, ships. Uh, you know, historically it built ships like the Normandy and the France. It built the Queen Mary too, um, so they've got a good um, a good pedigree there. And she recently sailed from Europe across to 
uh, America, well, across to the Caribbean rather, um, and has actually joined the majority of the celebrity fleet at layup um, off um, the, the the celebrity RCI private islands there in, in the Bahamas. That's right. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, actually, when mm. uh, Captain Kate and her colleagues welcomed all the ships, did a little pirouette and a dance, welcoming Apex into into the Bahamas. And uh, Apex has, of course, been delivered in the new um, celebrity livery as well. So it's got the yeah. dark blue hull and it's got yep. the big, you know, iconic X's on the funnel, um, which, you know, they date back to celebrities' prior life um, as Chandra's. Yeah. Um, so it's... Uh, it's kind of a blend of the new and the old and then the stylized bow there and uh, and her and her sister ships really do stand out um, among the fleet. Yeah, no, I like the look of their top decks. I think what they've done with the, the open outdoor space looks mm. uh, very, very impressive. The funnel's pretty cool as well. Like it's in an X shape. So if you look yeah. at it from the front profile, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, heading back to the UK, of course, uh, P&O UK have mm. uh, Iona. They do, yes. So she's up in Norway at the moment awaiting... Uh, the resumption of, of cruise sailing. She hasn't gone into the UK yet to join the rest of the uh, P&O ships, which majority of, well, all of them, in fact, are laid up off the coast of the UK in different locations. Um, but she's uh, one of the new um, LNG-powered ships. Um, will definitely sort of change things for, for P&O because she's significantly large. She's, she'll be their biggest ship. She'll be their flagship um, and, you know, she was supposed to enter service this year with a series of cruises into, into Norway. Um, so it kind of seems uh, fitting that she's waiting out the, the pandemic in Norway because she was going to be sort of their Norwegian um, fjord uh, ship yeah. for the first part of her career anyway. But she's been much anticipated. P&O was talking about her a lot in the lead up to 2020. Um, and, you know, their largest ship at the moment, well, prior to Iona, was Britannia, and this mm-hmm. particular ship here is going to be, you know, step up in terms of size. So, And um, staying within the, the Carnival family, Princess welcomed another ship. Yeah, the Enchanted Princess. Um, so, again, um, another one that was supposed to sort of debut this year, um, hasn't yet um, had any passenger services, as you can and, you know, imagine and understand, uh, but at 145,000 tons, she's she's definitely going to stand out, and um, again, I think will be um, very much appreciated by the Princess Cruises fans because um, she'll come into service with all of the um, the new um, sort of bells and whistles, exactly. including the uh, the medallions. I think Baz, yep. that you. Yep. They're so very fond of. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a game changer. We've spoken about that quite quite a bit, mm. but yeah, in in those few minutes there, we spoke about five brand new ships all delivered to their cruise lines, yet to welcome um, their first guests. But there's actually another twenty six ships going to be delivered in 2021, and again, even more in 2022. We won't go into 2022, but uh, we, we've pulled up the list for, for 21, and we're just going to go through these mm. alphabetically. Um, and we'll start off with the big ships, and then we've got the, the small ship uh, cruise lines kind of lumped together towards the end as well. So sure. we'll start off with the German brand AIDA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so AIDA's got um, AIDA Cosma, which is another one of these. So basically, um, Carnival Corporation, which owns AIDA, Carnival... Princess, um, P&O, all that, they have had this sort of LNG design, this 180,000-ton sort of design, and they've kind of allocated different hulls to different brands, and each of those brands is doing something like slightly different with their ship. So Aida Cosma is 180,000 tons. She's an LNG-class ship. She's powered by that liquefied natural gas, so she's got a lower 
carbon footprint. But, uh, you know, unlike some of the other brands where they've got um, sort of between sort of three and um, five thousand passengers, the Aida Cosmo is going to have a capacity of six thousand passengers. Um, and she'll be the second of that class in the Aida fleet. So they're already pretty experienced with that scale of ship, which, uh, yeah. you know, for Carnival Corp is the largest the largest size of ship in that corporation. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll just come to Costa in a minute because they've also got one of these uh, LNG ships as well. But before we get to, to Costa, mm. Carnival will be introducing Mardi Gras in 2021. Yeah, so Mardi Gras was actually the name of the first ever Carnival cruise ship um, right. all the way back when it started services. And it was a former ocean liner that was purchased by, um, by Carnival, Ted Arison, who started the business. And um, she was converted into a cruise ship and was the flagship of what they called the Golden Fleet. Now, Mardi Gras obviously started it all, but it's amazing to think how far Carnival had come because on her maiden voyage, the ship ran aground. Um, <laughs> and so there, you know, there wasn't a fleet, it was just one ship and she had a really inauspicious start to her, um, career, but then recovered and became a game changer. You know, she was the first ship where they really sort of thought about cruising, not as like a, a an add on to the ocean line of voyages, but as an experience unto itself. Um, and I think that is probably one of the reasons why they've decided to go back to this name because this new ship, the new Mardi Gras, which interestingly enough won't be Carnival Mardi Gras on the side of the ship, it would just be Mardi Gras. So real mm-hmm. paying really tribute to that old original ship. Now she's got about five five thousand two hundred passengers. She's big, one hundred eighty thousand tons. She's powered by LNG, so all those mechanical sort of game changing things. Twenty one decks, but. The big thing about the ship here is that it's got sort of that fun ship experience, but they've taken it to the next level. And I think we've spoken about it before, but if you look at renditions of the ship, you can see them online, you can see them on my YouTube channel. They've actually got um, this big sort of structure on the back of the ship, and it's actually a roller coaster at sea. And, I mean, (laughs) the engineering that goes into that as well to make it work when the ship's moving and all that sort of stuff is quite remarkable. So Mardi Gras will, um, again, be one of these ships that sort of is a, uh, you know, stepping stone for the industry, and it will uh, challenge that image of what cruising is, just like the original one did all those years ago. Yeah, it's uh, we were lucky enough to travel on both Carnival Horizon and Carnival Vista, and they had the the Skyride, which was the kind of pedal powered um, suspended go karts, for want of a better word, mm. off the side of the ship, and that was incredible. So to be able to then take it even further and to have a, a roller coaster at sea, um, yeah. I think uh, I'm not sure if I'll ride it. I think I'll leave that <laughs> one to the kids. Maybe <laughs> I'm not really a huge fan of roller coasters on land, but I, it's just it's just such a fascinating idea. And like that's not it's not that they've just stuck one thing on the ship either. I mean, she's still got no. all of the things that you'd expect from Carnival. She's got the the massive variety of eateries, bars. They've got the show lounges. They've got um, you know the big top deck with all of the swimming pools and a water park and all that sort of stuff. Yep. And really good pricing, you know, for, for, for sizable cabins with balconies and that sort of thing. And for, for Carnival as well this year, it's been such a such a year for the, that cruise brand with, uh, you know, um, fantasy and imagination and um, inspiration all going off to scrap. And it's still like, you know, being used, such a visual image of 2020, that the fact that they've got this beautiful new ship that's ready. Uh, and she also looks quite different from her fleet mates because she has um, got a big blue color scheme on her bow which is quite different yeah. from the rest of the carnival ships which have been sort of known throughout history as having um, a white hull this one's looks a little bit different so she'll stand out 
She certainly will. Um, again, with the Carnival family, we've touched on Costa a moment ago, but they do also have one of these LNG ships coming in uh, at some point during 2021, Costa Toscana. Yes, to- uh, Toscana. And again, she'll have the higher passenger ratio like um, Aida does as well at, the, at about 6,000 um, passengers on board, which is you know quite a lot, but she's 180,000 um, ton ship, so she's significant in terms of her size. Another Carnival brand, I feel like we're just talking about Carnival, but we're not. It is just purely coincidence that it's uh, alphabetical. But Holland America Line will be bringing in the next uh, Rotterdam um, in 2021, July. She'll be entering service. That's right. Um, Rotterdam um, is the sort of traditional name for the flagship from Holland America. And with um, the you know 1990s built Rotterdam retiring, um, well, she left Holland America and has gone across to, to Fred Olsen. Mm-hmm. Um, they needed a new flagship, and uh, this particular ship itself was under construction um, at the time, and she was originally um, scheduled to be named um, Rheindam, which is another yeah. quite famous Holland American name. Uh, but she's been renamed, and she's um, just under 100,000 tonnes. Um, she's one of the signature class ships, I think, Baz, if I'm, if I'm correct. That's right. And, um, yeah, so she's got some really cool uh, amenities on board as well. The one that stands out to me is um, the BBC Earth experience. So, of course, yep. BBC is so, you know, iconic in these, these, these shows that they've done where they really explore the planet and life and nature and that sort of thing, and they're bringing that to life on board the ship, which would be really interesting. Not, you know, it would just be fascinating to see how they how – they, integrate that into the cruise experience um but also she's got other you know the other holland america amenities and experiences on board um that uh i mean you've had a lot of experience with hal there's a lot of things there that uh that they that they do that that stand out including their pinnacle grill the um the one thing i mean uh, back in the day holland america wasn't really known for its entertainment but i think the last series last couple of ships that they've launched where they've brought in the the bb king's blues club and the lincoln center stage and the Rolling Stones Rock Room, they've really elevated their onboard entertainment to, to another level. But it's, it's not all centered around a show lounge. It's, it's very kind of interactive, for one for a better word. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's brand a very little bit different from that traditional go to the lounge and you get your entertainment, yeah. go to the bars and you can sit and have a coffee. It's more like uh, an all-encompassing experience. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah, uh, yeah be keen to, to see what uh, uh, what happens with uh, Rotterdam from July onwards, of course. Um, now we're stepping uh, out of the Carnival brands. We're heading over to uh, a great European brand, MSC, who uh, are launching not one, but two ships in 21. Yeah, I know. And um, two ships are two different classes. So yeah. there's the um, Seashore, uh, which is one of the seaside class ships. Um, and she's the, the third, I think, in that that class. Um, and will be a little bit different uh, to her predecessors because she's going to be she's slightly slightly larger in terms of her um, dimensions, so a little bit more space on board for those who are travelling on the ship. Uh, and then they're also bringing out the Virtuosa, which is um, a sister ship to the Grandiosa, mm-hmm. um, and she's one hundred and seventy thousand tons, um, and she's got um, some interesting amenities on board, including a, a promenade area inside the ship that has an led style domed ceiling over the top of it to sort of allow you to have an immersive experience as you're walking um throughout the ship so that would be quite interesting as well and i did notice that um they had mentioned uh that the ship will have um, Cirque du Soleil performances on board 
Um, yeah, which is quite common, I think, across the MSC mm. uh, fleet. They very much like that uh, uh, style of entertainment. And uh, one thing that jumped out at me was the Formula One racing simulator as well on board uh, Virtuosa. Oh, that would be interesting, yeah. So there's like one of the things you've seen more and more of in the cruise industry is that you know they're, they're bringing in um, a series of different uh, experiences that that take it above and beyond. And I think that sort of you know started in the 2000s where you might start to see ships with planetariums on board or ships that have you yeah. know um, land-based specialty um, experiences that are brought on board a bit like that Cirque du Soleil. But now um, they're kind of partnering with different land-based experiences to sort of take that and make it part of the cruise voyage as well. All very exciting that everybody can find these little um, niches to call their own. Mm. Um, now let's uh, head back home to Australia. Um, we've got our own uh, cruise brand, Piano Australia, launching two ships uh, this year. Sorry, next year. Yeah, really excited about this one because, um, you know, Piano have been planning um, for this change mm. for, for a while. Um, so Pacific Adventure and Pacific Encounter, which are both um, former cruise ships that sailed with uh, Princess of the, of the Grand Class, um, Pacific Adventure has been sort of scheduled to join P&O Australia for a while. In fact, she was supposed to join this year mm-hmm. um, and she was the former Golden Princess for Princess Cruises. Um, 108,000 tonnes, so that um, Grand Class style, she's... Um, you know, quite a lot larger than anything that P&O Australia has had before. And yeah. she's currently due to sort of kickstart um, cruising, the cruising experience in Australia once again next year. And then she'll be joined very closely by um, a sister ship, same style of ship, um, the Pacific Encounter, which uh, which will join the, the fleet as well next year. So, um, you know, really exciting for P&O. And then, of course, there's Pacific um, Explorer, which is still part of the fleet, currently laid up in Malaysia. Um, actually, sorry, I, I make a mistake. She she's just recently returned to um, to the Philippines. Actually, so okay. she's she's um, anchored off there, but she's been spending some time um, off Port Klang as well. And uh, the three of them should be able to offer great experience for Australian cruisers and three ships that have come from Princess. So there's sort of some commonality in terms of the design again at um, at Piano in Australia. Yeah, it's good to have a sister ship type feel. And of course, Adventure will be sailing out of Sydney. Encounter out of Brisbane. And uh, I realized the other day, actually, when I was looking at this list, I've been in the cruise industry since about 2005, so a reasonable amount of time. Mm. I've never actually cruised on P&O Australia. Oh, no. Well, it's it's great. It's so much fun. And um, I was I mean, I was fortunate enough to sail on um, Pacific Eden's maiden voyage and Pacific Jewel's final voyage. And, uh, you know, the atmosphere on board, it's, uh, it's very very Australian, very casual, um, lots of fun. You don't feel um, like there's any pressure on you to do anything in particular. You can just kind of make your own um, entertainment and choices and they've got all of the show lounges and that sort of thing. So it's a really um, kind of Aussie experience, really. Yeah, now I'm going to change that in 21. I'm going to make sure that I find my way um, onto a P&O ship and sample it for sure. Now, um, we spoke, obviously, that Princess will be handing those ships over to P&O to... In, but uh, our princess have also got another ship, uh, Princess Discovery, on route. Yeah, actually, I believe that I understand that princesses they've already been handed over to um, P and O Australia in preparation for next oh, year. Okay. So, um, but I think that they on Voyage Tracker you can still find them under their old princess names. I don't think they've been renamed right. just yet. But anyway, okay. Um, 
that's just the, the the maritime geek in me coming out there. Um, so you were saying Princess um, yeah. has another new, a new build, yes, for twenty twenty one. Um, uh, Discovery Princess, isn't it? Yeah, another royal class. I, th- I think she's the last actually of the royal class to be delivered. Yeah, and she's going to be um, concentrating, I believe, on Caribbean and South American cruises. So they'll be um, able to offer a, a you know a broader cruise experience with more ships, more destinations. Uh, just adds to the princess uh, princess offering for particularly good for repeat guests who um, have seen some of various ports already and they want to try something different, but like that princess feel and princess experience. Yeah, I do like the, the the royal class for princess. It's it's just got a very nice, light and airy, and a kind of natural flow to it as well. It's it's, it's a very well designed uh, class of ship. Hmm. Um, on to uh, Royal Caribbean. Our friends at Royal have got the Odyssey of the Seas coming out in uh, April of twenty one, and she'll be sailing out of uh, Rome, Civitavecchia. Yes, another one of the Quantum class ships, the the latest in the in the group, um, and they're magnificent ships. I've I've never been on Quantum of the Seas. Um, but I did go on board Ovation of the Seas, and it was quite an interesting, you know, experience to to see this type of ship. And it's a uh, it's a, a very um, a very large ship. It's a very um, sort of like a, a floating resort at sea, almost. You know, you've got that um, area at the top of the ship where there's sort of like a, a it almost looks like a land based water um, yep. park area with plants and all sorts of other things. There's a Northern Star on the top of the ship. They've got um, you know, restaurants and bars that are sort of iconic land-based brands that you can see on board. And Jamie Oliver is one that comes to mind. Um, and here they're actually going to bring in other experiences. I mean, all these um, Royal, Royal Caribbean ships are quite well known for their major promenade. It's like walking down a main street of a city almost. Yep. Yeah, um, yep. And so they'll have that here as well. And they're going to have, um, you know, the Every new class of ship with RCI seems to bring out something, um, something different in terms of a like an adventure experience or an adventure sport, whether it's uh, wave riding or rock climbing or um, ice skating or that sort of thing. And this one's going to have a an iFly ripcord on board, which sounds terrifying, <laughs> um, but a lot of fun. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, no, it is. And what I like about this class of ship is it's kind of reconnected back with the ocean because a couple of classes for royal i feel like it, it can be quite hard to to get an ocean view whereas this one is very easy to to find a, a bit of personal space and uh, reconnect with the mm. water which is uh, important when you run a cruise holiday i think well they've got that enormous um, glass area at the back of the ship with the 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 yeah. aft um, lounge there they've got different names on the different cl- on the different specific ships but um you know it's floor to ceiling glass and it just gives you this epic view of the wake and the back yep. of the ship um the fact that you can go up on the on the northern star which for anyone who hasn't seen it like google it but it's like i guess it's sort of like a a, a pod almost like what you'd see in the london eye but it's on a huge yeah. crane arm thing that goes up in the air and you know you get to look down on the ship and it's sort of right below you and there's water all around and yeah so you really are able to you know in a very modern way reconnect with the ocean now, back to Carnival family. Uh, Seaborn mm-hmm. will be launching Seaborn Venture, which is uh, exciting for, for the Seaborn team. For sure. And Seaborn Venture is interesting because, like, Seaborn is so well known for its small ship luxury, ultra luxury. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the ships were up until fairly recently quite 
quite small ships, but they they upgraded their fleet over the last decade or so with with newer, larger ships. And now they're going to launch the Seaborne Venture, which is kind of not as small as their original Seaborne ships, but it's smaller than the ones that they've got in service at the moment. So she's kind of offering this sort of expedition experience. Um, And so she's got things like a high number of Zodiac boats, very small number of guests, about 130 passengers. Um, and she'll be doing sort of expedition voyages, which I think with the Seaborne all-inclusive, highly luxurious, clubby kind of feel, um, it will be just fascinating and wonderful to, to experience the world that way. And you know, I went um, on board the Seaborne Sojourn and I've just thought like it's the detailing on Seaborne and the fact that they've got, um, you know, you walk through the ship and you go into um, different areas and they'll have like an area set aside with drinks and stuff if you're feeling thirsty. You don't have to go to the bar specifically because, it's, of course, it's all included um, mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the cruise fare. So it's just a sort of feeling like you're part of an exclusive, very luxurious club. It's very exciting. <laughs> and it'll be lovely yeah. to, to, to do that um, in an expedition setting. Yeah, and going to incredible destinations of the Antarctic, the Amazon, and the Arctic, of course, as well. Mm. Now, sticking with the the small luxury kind of uh, space, Silver Sea um, uh, will have two ships coming into service. Yes, uh, Silver Moon and Silver Dawn, uh, both of them coming into service next year, um, and sort of a you know several months apart, but still like you know to have two ships of um, that's that sort of scale coming in. Um, so close to each other, I guess it's uh, pretty exciting for Silver Silver Sea Cruises and for people who want to try the brand. Um, again, it's you know talking about luxury brands. It's uh, all suites on board these ships. Again, it's uh, very attentive service. Passengers uh, don't really need to want for anything because that's you know what you expect when you travel on board Silver Sea. And um, I've never actually travelled Silver Sea myself, so I can't. Um, you know, go into too much of the individual details, but, you know, about 590 passengers, so relatively small ship experience. Uh, but the ship itself is 40,000 tons. So, you know, when you compare that to the old ocean liners of days gone by, it's like a ship the size of Lusitania with one-fifth of the passengers, you know. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's a decent-sized ship, it is. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Silver Sea, of course, known for the the fine service with the butlers, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, now I have cruised on them and highly, highly... Uh, recommend uh, Silver Sea if it fits within your budget and your your style of travel, of course. Mm. It's actually funny, Baz, because when from a like a historic point of view, when you talk about, well, when I particularly talk about these ships, and you think about the size of the ships, and now nowadays, like something forty thousand tons is kind of classified in the small ship category, yeah. but historically, that's huge, you know. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> um, things have just gotten so big that even you know when I look back to when I. My the first ship I ever went on was the QE2. It was the second biggest ship in the world at the time at seventy thousand yep. tons, and these days it would be considered in the small smaller side of the midsize section. You know, like yep. Yep. the, the industry has just grown so much, and with twenty twenty aside, um, these ships are so immense now that um, the smaller ships today aren't small ships; they're just small compared to the giant ships. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and speaking of uh, small ships and smallish cruise lines, Viking you know, wasn't that long ago that they didn't have any ocean ships, and uh, they've built it up very, very quickly. I think I think this next ship that's coming out is going to take it to number 12. We're talking, of course, about Viking Venus. Yeah, not a small brand anymore by any means, and no. not only that, um, Viking also has the, the river cruising as well. So, um, In fact, the largest river fleets of, around. Yeah, right, so they've definitely become you know, pretty sizable cruise line. Um, and this one here, again, slightly larger than the Silver Sea ships, but, you know, that sort of um, 
small to mid-sized category. Um, and due out in 2021, Vikings got a pretty pretty loyal following. I think that they've definitely um, developed themselves and, and got themselves, uh, you know, a lot of passengers who like to go back to Vikings. So I think another ship with a, another set of itineraries will be really great. But also, again, just like with all these others that are expanding, it gives a whole new group of people an opportunity to, to try a different brand um, and to, to have more opportunities to sail to more destinations on, on the various brands that they love. Yeah. The great thing that I love about Viking is it doesn't matter whether you go on river or ocean, you're going to have a very, very consistent experience because what they've basically done is mm. taken what was very successful on the rivers mm-hmm. and transferred it over onto uh, the, the, the ocean fleet. So it's it's very seamless. And because they've got such a loyal following on the rivers, they have now become uh, a very sizable and uh, operation out uh, on the, the oceans yeah. with those 12 ships now. It's incredible. So w- if you compare that to some of, some of the other um, brands, like what is it about Viking to you, Baz, that stands out? Well, first, they, they have a few taglines. No casinos, no kids, mm. and no gratuities. Okay. Uh, so if you don't want to cruise with kids, um, then straight away Viking's going to appeal to you. And they, I guess, similar to what Virgin have done, they, you know, they, they haven't tried to replicate what other cruise lines have done. So they completely got rid of the casino and used what space would have been devoted to that to be more lounge space. Mm-hmm. So there is this really open feel. And it's got, you know, it's, they've carried across the whole the Scandinavian designs and... Um, the fact that drinks are included with your meals and that sh- all your short excursions or some, some of your short excursions are included. So yeah, okay. that one one price up front appeals to a lot of people because they don't have to worry about what they're spending whilst they're away. It, it's just a it's kind of like very easy All the purchase. benefits of the river cruise experience, but on a big ship that can take you internationally. Yeah. yeah. How wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah no great. Now, we, we touched on Virgin at the start of this little segment. We're going to finish up with them in the, the large category because uh, as we touched on, Virgin will be launching their second ladyship, Valiant Lady. Yes, very similar to Scarlet Lady in terms of her external design. Um, was was due sort of to come out after Scarlet Lady. So, um, you know, inter- internally she hasn't had the same level of scrutiny as Scarlet Lady has. There was be- There's been no sort of... Um, you know, PR tours or anything like that yet. Um, yeah. And she's she's been built at uh, Fincantieri, just like her sister ship. So the two of them waiting out the pandemic in, in Italy at the moment. Um, but it does mean that when Virgin, you know, when things resume and people are able to travel um, freely again, Virgin will be able to really launch their experience with two ships, um, quite strong way to launch. So, and it's going to be fascinating again to see how, you know, how Virgin what the Virgin experience is like and how it develops over time. Because, you know, if you look at any of the industries that they've been into, be it airlines or mobile phones or health clubs or whatever that Virgin has done, it's always challenged what's been done there. And as a result of that, it leads to other competitors making changes as well. I mean, you just have to think about the aviation industry here in Australia and the impact Mm -hmm. that Virgin's had on, you know, then Qantas responds and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, it'd be really fascinating to see um, what kind of impact that makes and, and how people react to the ship and then what the other cruise lines do to um, to step it up a, a, another notch if uh, if the Virgin experience is popular. Yeah, and to have those two ships in two different markets as well, obviously Scarlet Lady's going to be out of Miami heading mm-hmm. down to the Bahamas and uh, Valiant Lady's going to be out of Barcelona yep. doing uh, the Med and the Islands of the Med. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting and really exciting, in fact, for, for 2021 for, for Virgin and a uh, I wish them all the success because they, they really do deserve a bit of success. Absolutely. And I'm very worried now because I know you're going to ask me a question about my picks and I can't narrow it down. 
<laughs> well, I'll let you just think about that because I'm just going to quickly touch on some of the smaller ships. In oh, fact, sure. some of the smaller brands that some people might not even know about, but they're also launching uh, some some ships. So we, first of all, we've got Atlas. Uh, um, they're going to be launching World Navigator. She's about 9,000 tons, about 200 berths. That brand is currently only available um, on sale in the US, um, but that well, they're rolling out a number of ships over the coming years. So I'm sure it'll be expanded to include uh, global distribution. Uh, Crystal Cruises, of course, also known in the luxury space. They're going to be launching Endeavour, which is just short of 20,000 tons and about 200 berths. Um, the Scenic family, which includes Emerald Waterways. They've got the Azura, which is their uh, small yacht coming into service with 100 guests and about 10,000 tons. Hapagloid, the German brand, which is known for having some of the finest ships at sea. They've got the uh, Spirit coming into service with about 230 guests on board. And then we talk a little bit about Hurtigruten every now and again, but there is a competitor coming into the market on the Norwegian coastal voyages and a brand called Havila, H-A-V-I-L-A. They'll be, they'll be launching four ships next year, which will take over four of the departures on the Norwegian coastal uh, fleet. They've got uh, Capella, Castor, Polaris, and Polux coming in with 640 guests each. Now, that 640 guests is a mixture of day passengers because, of course, they're doing the, the port-to-port um, itineraries for the Norwegians, but uh, the majority of those guests will be uh, allocated cabins, of course, for the, the full six days north of the uh, 11 days round trip um, out of Bergen. Limblad National Geographic will be launching Resolution with 126 berths and 12,000 so 12, uh, gross tons. Oceanwide Expeditions, which is a cruise line based out of uh, the Netherlands, they've got a brand new ship, the Jan Sonius, uh, coming into service, 6,300 tons and 174 berths. Ponant, we spoke about recently, they've got the Commandant Charcot coming into service with 270 guests. Rick's Carlton are, of course, expanding their, their yacht club fleet. They've got another ship coming out with 298 berths. Sea Cloud, um, the tall ship, uh, has got Spirit coming into service with 136 berths. And then Tradewind Voyages, who we spoke to only a couple of weeks ago, actually, they've got Golden Horizon coming into service in the UK before coming down to Australia with only 330 guests on board. And lastly, uh, Swan Hellenic is going to be reborn in 2021 with the Minerva coming into service with uh, only 152 guests. So a lot of excitement in the industry, whether it's big ships, um, small ships, luxury ships, expedition ships, there is something for pretty much everybody and a whole lot of excitement around the new ships that are, are coming in. So... Chris, I've given you a bit of time there. I did give you a challenge. In fact, last there was week, actually I just, just one thing I did want to mention as well, Baz, just thinking back yep. to when we were talking about the LNG class of ships yep. for Carnival. Um, I think we mentioned the passenger capacities. Now, um, there's obviously a, a range of passenger capacity on board each of those those ships, depending on whether mm. or not they're selling like full, whereas in all the th- – third and fourth berth cabins are yeah. full that means that they the costa toscana mardi grand and um, aida cosma uh, sort of cap out around about the the six six and a half thousand passenger mark but if they're only selling with double occupancy it's more like sort of five thousand two hundred or so yeah. so yeah. yeah don't don't look at that and go oh my gosh it's like so full it's, it depends <laughs> on how many people have booked family cabins and all that sort of thing as well so and obviously you can find out all that information on the cruise lines websites yeah, yeah. Have I stalled no, long enough? <laughs> well, I'll actually let you stall a little bit longer because we did ask the listeners to, to send in the ships that they were most excited oh, to. Oh, yes, to yes, let's hear that. Launch. And we got a number of people that contacted us. Um, first of all, um, Rich, we did mention you, Rich, in Peter's segment a little earlier in the show, but Rich is very, very excited for Scarlet Lady, um, mainly because he's 
you've seen what Virgin have done in the other industries, and he just wants to suss out what that Virgin vibe, that Virgin service is going to be like mm-hmm. on board. So uh, there's a lot of people just rich. Yeah. rich. Yep, yep. yep. I think, in fact, uh, I think both of us are highly uh, anticipating that one. Uh, Juliana in Sydney, she um, was lo- most looking forward to Celebrity Apex, um, having experienced Edge. She can't wait to, to try out the second sister ship. Uh, we had Eileen, who contacted us via the website. Uh, we were talking about, of course, Saga Rose last week, and uh, she travelled on that ship herself and was actually very, very excited to be uh, looking forward to a voyage on board Saga Spirit. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's uh, an interesting one for us as well, Eileen. And then we've got Jan also in Sydney. Um, she's a big fan of Hertie Gruten and is most excited in 2021 to uh, experience the Frigate Nansen, which is one of their new um, hybrid vessels. And if she looked even further afield, she would be excited to see Viking Octantius, I think it is, or Octanius, um, launching in 2022. So thank you to everybody who did get in touch. It's uh, great to have people uh, being a part of the show. But Chris, it's it's now your time. You've got to decide. What okay, you're... yep, all I'm right. I'm going to give you one, but I'm going to allow you to have three. Or three, possibly okay, four. fair enough. So um, I'm going to go with uh, P&O's Iona. Um, oh, yep. Because I've been following her throughout. I'm fascinated by Piendo. Obviously, have studied the history of the company, and to see them bring an LNG-powered 180,000 ton ship into the market, I'm just fascinated to see how it is to, to sail on board that. How the Piendo experience has been translated on board that, and her itineraries just look, you know, fascinating. Norway is just beautiful, so definitely interested in that. Um, sticking with the LNG-powered ships, I uh, would love to travel on Mardi Gras. Um, again, just I think it's one of those ships that that's going to be sort of remembered as as one that sort of pushes the industry that little bit further. A bit like what the Oasis class did for Royal Caribbean. A bit like what Queen Mary two did for for shipping in general in um, two thousand and three. It's just sort of the scale and the amenities and the the thought that's been put into it looks remarkable. Um, and Pacific Adventure. Um, for Piendo Australia, uh, I've been on board her as um, Golden Princess and would love to, to to travel on board as Pacific Adventure to to welcome in sort of that new era of the of the really big ship cruising into into the Australian market. Um, can I push my luck and ask for some have some honourable mentions as well? <laughs> okay, honourable mentions. <laughs> honourable mentions definitely Scarlet Lady, a Valiant Lady for for Virgin. I uh, just as we've mentioned before, and as um, as Rich uh, I think mentioned in his in, in his yep. email, the the idea of Virgin pu- pushing the limits, changing things up, just to experience something that hasn't really been designed by established cruise lines, and to see what that feels like would be remarkable. And you know, I've seen some of the reviews, um, both positive and negative, and I'd like to check it out for myself. Um, and Holland America's Rotterdam, I would love to travel on board the Holland America flagship. You know, um, the Rotterdams have had such a historic impact on shipping all the way back from the 1930s Rotterdam through to the one from 1959, which of course is preserved as a hotel and the prior Rotterdam, which is now going off to Fred Olsen. So um, would um, would love to to travel on board Rotterdam. And actually, interestingly enough, Baz, on our list, we did mi- we did miss out uh, Fred Olsen's Borealis and Ballet. I mean, they're not they're not new ships, yeah. but just yeah. like with Pacific Adventure and Pacific Encounter, they've had previous lives, but... Uh, the former Rotterdam and former Amsterdam from Holland America line will now head headline the Fred Olsen Cruises experience um, alongside Bremer and Balmoral. So 
Um, Gosh, I'm waffling on here, but uh, they oh, might, no, they might need to be on my list. list as well. I don't know what to do. No. So they were my <laughs> three <laughs> and my honorable mentions. What, what are yours, Baz? Well, until you mentioned the old <laughs> Rotterdam and Amsterdam, <laughs> uh, my, my first pick was the new Rotterdam. Um, as you know, previously I was very close to the Horn America brand and the, the MS Rotterdam and the MS Amsterdam were two of my favorite ships. Just mm-hmm. the... The size, the flow, the, the the elegance of them just really was just came as one one of my top ships. Uh-huh. So to be able to go and see the new Rotterdam, that is definitely do so. And if I could do it and visit the the Grand Dame Rotterdam as the, the floating hotel in Rotterdam, oh, how wonderful! That trip, yes, that would just be number one. TikTok. Yes, Excellent. absolutely. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, a little closer to home, I touched on the fact I've never sailed on PN Australia, and I have to change that this year. So they've got to be in the mix. So whether it's adventure or encounter, don't really mind. Um, but yeah, it would be good to, to, to experience that and be able to talk about it as passionately as, as you do. <laughs> um, you talked about um, Scarlet Lady, actually Valiant Ladies on my list, not for any other reason other than the fact that I, I just love the Europe. I love Europe. Yeah. Um, so to be able to, to sail in Europe um, would pull me more to, towards Valiant Lady sailing out of Barcelona. Um, and then I did push it with a four, uh, <laughs> an MSC ship, <laughs> and it doesn't. Have, I don't really which mind one, which MSC ship, uh, MSC. MSC. I don't really mind which ship. Yeah. Um, but again, I love Europe. I've heard great things about MSC's latest ship. So to sail in Europe on a European cruise line with Europeans would be another tick uh, of the boxes for me. But you completely messed it up there when you talked about Fred Olsen. So yeah, sorry about in that there as well. <laughs> and, and now, and now I'm looking back through my notes, and I've got a star next to Seaborn Venture as well. So I obviously can't, I can't, um, I can't bring myself down to um, uh, down to three. But I think, you know, if you if you only had an opportunity to do three, I think I would, I would be very very happy with Iona, Mardi Gras, and um, Pacific Adventure. But but I'm hoping 2021 and 2022 will allow us to have more than three cruises a year but <laughs> yeah we, i'll be we, happy with one right now but yeah yeah we, i mean exactly i think we, i think everybody's kind of um all the all the cruise uh, fans around the world um sort of gonna have to make up for this year so, <laughs> so watch out you know <laughs> yeah and then we can get next year we can come back with the podcast and hopefully start to get some real cruise reviews back in because that was uh, yeah. always the, the goal of the podcast obviously it's not possible right now but We'll, we'll be excited to, to do that. It's interesting, so, you know, when we first were discussing the idea and it was going to be cruise reviews and podcasts from on board and all sorts of other things. And, you know, <laughs> like everywhere else around the world, we've had to adapt. And, uh, you know, this is your your baby. You've done a great job, I think, in, in, in adapting the format and, and keeping it going and keeping us all positive throughout the year. So um, well done, Baz. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, same to you. Thanks for, for being a part of it. Uh, who'd have thought we'd... Uh, you know, a lot of podcasts start, and they reckon if you get can get to most podcasts finish at about episode seven, mm. um, and then a, a more drop out at about episode fourteen. So the fact that we've yeah. got to thirty eight is is good in a year that's been so challenging. Um, but we will be back. We're going to take a little break for for Christmas and New Year, and then mid January, we'll come back as uh, cruise news starts to come back onto the horizon, and then we can look at some of your interesting facts for for maritime yeah. history. But thanks for giving me an opportunity to just um, share the maritime history, and also to all the listeners, I suppose for for listening and contributing and sending in messages. And I mean, not only what you get on the, on the website and stuff, but I know I've had people message me on my Facebook and leave comments on YouTube and stuff saying that they'd heard the podcast. So it's, it's great. It's such a nice community to be part of. Yeah, no, exactly. And, um, 
all the best for you and your family, Chris. Uh, or have a very, very, very Merry Christmas. We um, thank you for, for everything you bring to the podcast every week. And uh, I can't wait till middle of January and uh, we'll start talking all things positive cruise again. Uh, thanks again. Thanks so much, Baz. You too. Take care. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.